Welcome into football and other efforts. We do have one viewer, so I know the link works. So uh, if you are the one viewer, you should be able to comment. You you can get into the question and answers and, you know, do all that stuff. Why don't you throw a comment in there? Just this so is my we mom. Know oh, well, well, mom, please go in there and throw in a comment. Whoever the second one is, throw in a comment as well. Just as so though we know that it's actually working or not. Um, but other than that, at least people are watching, Mike. This is our first um it's our first live show, but it's our first insiders only live show where we're, where people are actually just going to join whenever we normally record and uh, come hang out and throw in some stuff. And speaking of hanging out, there's no better place to hang out other than Jasper's in Nashville. Two for one beers on Sundays. Uh, football is the last Titans game before the playoffs. And no, it's on Saturday, but you can still go to Jasper's and buy two beers. And you, you're going to need them because I, I just have a feeling that you're either going to be celebrating or you're going to be crying, whether it's a win or loss, either or. Because I, I think that there's going to be two subsections of fans for each outcome. And we do have a comment, so it's actually working. So welcome. Yeah, to people hello, who, yeah welcome to people who are um, Broadway insiders. We appreciate your business. And if you know friends and you know uh, even enemies and maybe families, maybe you should have gifted a Broadway Insider's Pass to someone that you know, because maybe you forgot a Christmas present. So this is the perfect gift. So two things. Go to Jasper's, get you a gift card, then buy a Broadway Insider's Pass, and then boom, you have like a gift that is like in such good value and such good return that you will be the hero of Christmas, even though that you're, you know, seven days late. What do you think about that, Mike? I mean, sometimes heroes show up late. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, and look, you know, time is just a construct. I mean, yeah. let's, let's be honest. Yeah. Bring, Don't your, bring your gifts whenever you want. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas can be all year round. Doesn't just have to be December 25th. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, whatever holiday you want to use, you can always buy gifts. That's right. He's Mike Herndon. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Herndon NFL. And this week, I bet you guys will never be able to guess what we're going to be talking about. The quarterback situation for the Tennessee Titans. And over at paulkarski.com, you can read Mike's work. And on Wednesday, when you are listening to this, more than likely, if you not joined us through the Broadway Insiders, head over to paulkarski.com and read Mike's article about Josh Dobbs and how it's a mixed bag. But at least it's not a bag filled with dog shit like Malik <laughs> Wills is filled. Is that, is that pretty much what it is? Is it's that going to be your subheader? Yeah, that that is a uh, yeah, working title. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see. We'll see if PK uh, goes for that one. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be a good read. But yeah, this QB situation is um, fucked. I guess would be a, a good word to use on this show. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's football and other efforts. So uh, yeah. if you're li- sorry for those that are listening at work, hopefully you have your Bluetooth headsets in or something. Yeah. Uh, that, that they didn't just get blasted at a or, daycare or, that you may be working at. Or you work in a, an office with adults who aren't afraid to hear a bad word. Well, I think what we need to start with, Mike, is the, the state of the quarterback situation, as you say, is uh, fucked. But we need, a, we, need a, we need a lot of information. So um, on, I guess, it was a Saturday night that I've that someone had shared with us that Aussie Titan fan 3333 on Titans Report message board 
said something that PFT was talking about and Peter King were talking about Tannehill and Malik and how the uh, staff pretty much hated him. It's not entirely true, but at the top of the show for Pro Football Talk, which you can go see the top of the show segment on YouTube, they it's the one with Josh Dobbs as the pitcher. And they talk about the Tennessee Titans pretty much saying all signs point to a neon flashing letters that they don't believe in Malik Willis at least this year and probably not from years on in. And then there's another segment later on in the show where they're discussing Tom Brady and his prospects along with maybe being a package deal for Sean Payton, which they go into saying that really can't happen because there's only so many quarterback situations and then the team trading for Sean Payton, you know, has to trade away picks. So do you really want to hind, you know, put your next two years at Tom Brady's hands when you're trying to develop for the future and this sense of that regardless is talking about the supply and demand of the quarterback market, specifically when you're talking about Tom Brady, Derek Carr, Jimmy G. There's only so many quarterback spots, including Geno Smith, only so many quarterback spots and only so many quarterbacks to go around. So this is what they had to say about the Titans possibly being a destination that may affect the market. There aren't enough jobs for the number of quarterbacks and or the number of agents of quarterbacks who believe that their guys are going to have a really good landing spot. Like, for instance, let's take Tennessee. What are the Titans going to do? The Titans have a lot of questions going into the offseason, a lot. They're not in great cap shape. Um, whoever goes there, if they do end up replacing Ryan Tannehill, my guess is they probably want to, um, but I also think that's going to be a financial decision. But so, so if you, if you don't, if you, if you keep Ryan Tannehill and you're the Tennessee Titans, so don't you want to backstop him right now? If you're Mike Vrabel with somebody better than Malik Willis. So those are the kind of questions that we just don't know now. Because, Mike, you raised the issue at the top. For Mike Vrabel to have bypassed, a, bypassed Malik Willis to play in this game and perhaps to play next week, for a guy who's been on this team for 15 minutes, it says something resoundingly beyond today. You know, And they can say whatever they want. I have no idea what they said last night or the other day about it, but they can say whatever they want. But the fact is, if you've got a quarterback who has been playing and who's been in the system all year and you leapfrog somebody over him who, uh, you know, every team in the NFL had a chance to employ on the active roster and didn't, you know, you, you then have to ask yourself the question, what is Malik Willis's role there for the future? So that's, the, and that's just, that's one out of 32. And obviously, there aren't 32 places that have quarterback questions. But I bet you could think of a good 10 or 12 that have legitimate quarterback questions. And then he switches over to other teams and talks about that. And, and to be honest, the Titans are a team, and we've talked about it, that could be in the market for a new quarterback, whether that's trading away Ryan Tannehill, whether that is... Um, drafting someone other than Malik Willis to back up Ryan Tannehill. And this seems to echo some of that. So there's a lot to unpack. Okay. So I think the first thing I want to start with 
is the fact that the guess, because that's what he says, right? I guess. Now, you work for a journalist. We have been around many journalists. And usually when someone says, I guess, and says a pretty definitive eye-opening statement, they have heard something from somewhere. Now, Apparently, and I didn't know this, that Peter King apparently has a horrible track record with Tennessee Titans news. I I don't know if you know what these people are alluding to or if they're just lumping him in with Mike Florio. But there's only one head honcho really in the facility where people would be saying these things that are closely tied to him, and that would be Mike Frabel. So you would have to assume, not necessarily that's Mike Frabel, but someone close to Mike Frabel has put this in Peter King's ear. So, Mike, I ask you, what are your feelings on the word guess? And what are your feelings on maybe Mike Vrabel and company do kind of want to maybe 78% want to move on away from Ryan Tannehill? Yeah, I would definitely say that, like, as far as like a peek behind the curtain thing, there's definitely instances where uh, a journalist will say they'll couch something because they have not been able to get it on the record enough to report it right like that is that is one of those things it's like you can you can be like well you know i'm hearing this or i guess or look out for or some sort of soft peddling of whatever you're about to say to say look i'm trying to tell you something without necessarily putting it on the record because i don't have it on the record in a way that i would want to come out definitively and say it so there is some of that that, that definitely happens and you could i mean it's definitely possible i think that peter king has something or has talked to somebody that that had told him that they'd really like to move on from Tannehill. but it also kind of to me is i think it's almost common sense that like given his cap situation given their cap situation everything with this team that they would have loved to move on from Ryan Tannehill. And this would have been the, like, from the time he signed this contract, this was always going to be the first offseason where they really had the possibility of moving on from Ryan Tannehill. Um, and the Julio sure, just made it a little bit more complicated. Restructuring for Julio yeah. makes this all complicated. So if you want to blame anybody, blame Julio Jones. Yeah, and John Robinson for yeah, trading true. for trading assets for Julio Jones and then restructuring. But this doesn't Tannehill. change anything. Like, I've seen a few people say, well, this was just, I told you it was a horrible contract, and look at it now. This is a horrible contract. Well, first off, it's still not a horrible contract. No. And second off, it's only uh, looks bad because John Robinson changed it all for Julio Jones, which I'm sure this person who is complaining about this contract wanted at the time. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. It's... When they restructured Tannehill, they pushed. They basically made his cap hit in what was it, twenty twenty? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, twenty twenty one. They made it eleven million dollars, basically. So he's playing for eleven million dollars on the cap. Now that's not cash. That's not how that works. It's just how it's accounted for. Um, but that was his cap hit in twenty twenty one, and so they basically took the remainder of that money and pushed it into twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. Um, which is why his cap hits are so big now. Um, this happens with every quarter. Like Matt Ryan had like a $60 million cap hit at one point or was going to until the, the Falcons traded him um, because they had restructured him so many times and things like that. So it's certainly something that um, the, the contract, the contract discussion is so stupid, but 
anyways, I, I think it's definitely time that they would like to move on from Tannehill because they're going to be over the cap as it sits right now. They're definitely going to have to cut several players from this roster that are on big contracts. And obviously, like, once you take out the low-hanging fruit of, like, Lawan and Cunningham and uh, Woods and, you know, maybe um, Dupree, you know, you you get about $40 million under the cap, so you've got a little bit of wiggle room. But certainly you could use more, and, and you know, you continue to clear cap for not only next year but the year after that when you will have a lot of cap space. And you're starting to – like, to me, it it all looks like the way the Titans roster is constructed right now, they need to start start building towards what this team is going to look like in 2024, not what it's going to look like necessarily in 2023. Because, it, you know, sure, you could compete in 2023. I think if you brought back Tannehill and, and went and got a bunch of good offensive linemen uh, and maybe added a receiver and, and everybody stayed healthier, uh, you could probably compete next year. But you're not going to win a Super Bowl. Um, like, that's the thing. I, I think the window has closed on – this version of the Titans ever winning a Super Bowl. So to me, it's 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 open slightly because of the defense. Let, let's be yeah. honest here. I think I think this defense has proven that it can keep opponents scores low no matter how good the opponent is. It's just it's got to be healthy first off. And second off, it's got to find an offense to match it. And right now, it does not have that offense. Right, yeah, they don't have the offense, and they're not close on offense, frankly. Um, now, a few pieces in, in the offseason, like I said, health you know, breaks and everything, maybe they could get closer and, and be competitive and, and be a playoff team next year. I think that's certainly in play. Um, but it's – the quarterback thing is interesting because there's so many different ways this could play out. Like, you could keep Tannehill and try to rebuild around him while also, like, maybe dabbling in, like, drafting a quarterback either this year or next year and you know trying to trying to do this like rebuild on the fly without bottoming out thing that it seemed like John Robinson was trying to do starting this past offseason um but then you could also look at it and go well why don't we just cut Tannehill or trade Tannehill now um which again I still think he would certainly have a trade market um and then go sign a one year you know, a Jacoby Brissett or a, a Teddy Bridgewater um, bridge guy that's just going to be like enough to, you know, get you by and give you a competent play. So it's not a total joke, but you're probably going to be drafting pretty early in the, in the 2024 draft. Um, and I, but I, I don't see how they can start Willis at this point. Like, right. Like, Oh, well, here, here's the thing, Mike. You're living in these dream scenarios where they're going to be going. You think they're that they think that this team isn't going to be able to compete with Mike Vrabel. Like, Mike Vrabel is a competitor. Yeah. I just don't see these scenarios where, okay, well, we're going to trade away Ryan Tannehill and keep Jacoby Brissett. I'm, I, I know this is, um, we've come full circle, but this, this specific segment was about Tom Brady. Yeah. I have to say that at this point in time, the best thing for the Tennessee Titans is to try to get Tom Brady. Now, here's the thing about this is that many, many moons ago, when Tom Brady was free and he and it was down, it was Tom Brady going to come to the Titans and they re signed Tannehill. That was a smart move then because Tom Brady was always going to go to the Bucks in my mind. 
he was going to Tampa Bay. It was the best option. They had the elite defense. They had the weapons. All they needed was a quarterback that didn't throw 30 interceptions. Yeah. Okay. That's all they needed. And it worked. Now I look at it this day and time. And I think that Tom Brady is the best scenario for the Tennessee Titans. You can trade away Ryan Tannehill. And I think that if you see a, a trade for Tannehill early in the offseason and you, they've traded him away, I think you're going to see it a few days later. Here comes Tom Brady. Because you don't do that without having Tom Brady in the wings ready to rock and roll or, or good faith you know, signing. But this is the perfect opportunity for Tom Brady to come in. Because this offensive line and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line which have both been ravaged by injuries and lack of talent in different ways. You just need them to be that like the 18th best offensive line for this team's because of the defense. You don't need this team needed the 18th ranked offensive line and pass blocking to be a, a, an offense that actually scored 24, 27 points on a weekly basis. You get that you get Tom Brady you get another wide receiver. You got Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry helps Tom Brady. Tom Brady helps Derrick Henry exponentially because you still have to fear Tom Brady. I think at that point, it would work out, right? Like, that makes the most sense. And if you want someone in the quarterback room that is the complete opposite, and I would say almost the complete opposite of Ryan Tannehill, but at least the complete opposite of Malik Willis, there's nobody better than Tom Brady that can elevate those around him still at the level that he's at. The only difference is, is that you got the Las Vegas Raiders right there with Devontae Adams, with Hunter Renfro, with Darren Waller, maybe Josh Jacobs. That's a pretty good, and they're in Vegas, and you know Gronk's probably going to want to go hang out in Vegas. Like That's your big competition, but Tom Brady is a free agent, and he's going to choose where he wants to go I don't know if he likes Josh McDaniels as much as everybody wants to think that he does. So here, and here's the thing with, and I've heard this every time I hear, uh, you know, this topic of Brady brought up, I, you know, for with people that know Brady, they always talk about how he would probably not want to go to a West coast team because of oh, the that's distance interesting. from his family. Who, oh, but the family's dead. Well, dead but not the kids, not the kids. <laughs> The kids who live in, I believe it's New York or somewhere around New York, um, those are, he still wants to be able to get back to them quickly and not be like seven hour flights away from, from the kids. So I think that is still a factor, at least from talking like, or from like listening to people who uh, have talked about this subject and know Brady's, you know, kind of inner thoughts um, to some degree. So um I, I still think Vegas seems to me a little like it, it fits otherwise. Like, but I, you know, like you said, I'm not sure him and McDaniels are necessarily best friends. Like, and to me, like Brady probably feels like, Hey, what do I need McDaniels for? Like I, if I come to your team, I'm running the Tom Brady offense. Uh, I don't need a damn offensive coordinator to tell me what to do. Um, and which I think it's true. And I, I think that from a Titan standpoint, I think actually this time it makes absolutely perfect sense to go try to bring him in. Cause we know what we know about Tom Brady is that he can still play. Um, he will elevate when, the guys. When the head him. coach and offensive coordinator lets him play and he has right. a good offensive line. Like he did a lot of wonders against Carolina this past week, 
But that's because, I mean, I don't know what Carolina's defensive game plan was for Mike Evans. They kept leaving. I can't remember the cornerback's name off the top of my head, but whoever was on an island with Mike Evans, which was like Brady's like, yeah, okay, whatever. But he can still sling it. He can still sling it. And look, I mean, I think the Titans would be very smart to go. Because the other thing we know about him is he'll play for a below market contract too, right? Like he always signs for like less than what he's really worth. Um and I'm sure he would here as well. And and you could make it work financially with him. That's why, I like, I, I don't know if you can make it work financially with a guy like Carr, who's going to need a, you know, or want a top dollar contract in addition to whatever, you know, um, wherever he wants to go. But Brady will sign for below market and, you know, it makes a ton of sense for the Titans. Now for Brady, I don't, I don't know if it makes sense at all because his offensive line is terrible. But um, out of, but I mean, like, I hate, I hate, that you say that this offensive line is terrible because we don't it know is. what the 2023 offensive line is. Do you, well, when people it, say this, it makes me think that they think that the, the Titans are going to sit on their hands no, and I, say, I, I know you're not saying that, but that's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like saying. I don't think that's the case, but they have a lot, a lot to fix. Like they no different than 2015 to 2016. Uh, I mean, like it, I said, all you got to get is to number 18. It's a oh, well, here's the thing too. I, I will say that Brady himself will mask a lot of offensive line issues, especially and Derrick Henry, him and Derrick Henry together, uh, because he is a master of setting up protections. Also, I kind of think Brady would hate playing with Henry, to be honest with you. Because, really? Yes, because he wants those pass catching backs on the field all the time, and that is just not Henry's skill set. Um, I don't but, know what 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 was that stat even, that I saw that uh, he had more yards per reception than an entire team yeah, of wide receivers. That's all screens and stuff, though. You're, you're all screens. How pretty could throw. It's all different. Um, but, I mean, even like Fournette is a, a decent pass. Hey, listen, you know Tom Brady would have Derrick Henry out in that sand out in Texas, wherever <laughs> Henry trades, catching passes constantly. I mean, look, I, I think there's – I think it works in a lot of ways. I just don't think – if I'm Tom Brady, this is probably not the roster I want to go walk into. At this what? Point. Roster would be that the Jets. You would rather you think he would rather go to the Jets than than to Nashville. A hundred percent. They have just as good a defense. They've got receivers that are more. uh, I won't say more experienced, but they're they're. It's a better receiver room. I mean, it just is. Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, uh, Elijah Moore. Um, it's a better group of receivers. It's a better offensive line with Elijah Barry Tucker. Um, but but how can he go to the Jets when Ryan Tannehill is traded to the Jets? Well, yeah, See? ideally, ideally, uh, yeah, you know, they do deal Tannehill to the Jets. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's better destinations for him. And also, if he wants to be close to the kids, then that puts him there too. Um, you know, there's certainly like the Vrabel element. I what think would be the the big thing. What if Titans. Giselle takes the kids to Brazil? Then technically Tennessee's closer. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> or maybe Giselle's going to move to NBA. Uh, Never know. You know. She's going to take the kids on tour of yeah. NBA and and go to Nashville. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I I would like to see the Brady thing because I think that would just be super fun. And at this point, like you know, if if the Titans are going to try to win next year, they might as well try to win in like a fun way. Um, but I just I, I can't see it happening. It's interesting. So, you know, the other part of all of this is the fact that people are kind of bucking up about this, and a, a few people are are bringing it up in here, is that essentially 
Uh, where's the good one? This is oh, here it is. Isn't it also preemptive to guess what they'll go before having a GM? What if the incoming okay. GM loves Tannehill? So this is from Jason. So if the tight the the big thing I've seen all over is that well, we don't know what the tight the next GM is going to want to do. Well, I can guarantee you the next GM is going to want to win, and the next GM is going to want some flexibility to bring in guys. Now, there's a good chance that the guy that they are going to sign that's general manager is probably someone inside the building, and I think that is the most likely outcome. So wouldn't you think that if this is coming from, I don't know, what if it's coming from Stretch, who may be the next GM? I think he may know that they kind of want to get out of Ryan Daniel, right? I mean, like, that's the thing you got to remember is that the people that are probably talking to Peter King are people in the inner circle of candidates that are probably going to be getting this job. And here's the thing too. I, I think, you know, I mean, sure. You don't know who the GM is going to be. They could, they could go outside the organization. Like I could buy like Rick Smith. I could buy Thomas Dimitrov. I could buy, um, you know, Brian gain. Those guys are all valuable candidates, I believe. Um, but whatever, whoever it is, Vrabel is clearly going to have say over personnel to some degree. Now, whether that's, like full control uh, or veto power or whatever. I don't know. I I tend to think it's more going to be Brable and the new GM both answer to Amy Adam Strunk and Brable is not under the new GM necessarily. He's alongside the new GM and maybe he has control of the 53 man roster, that kind of thing. So um, it'll be interesting to see how like that all that balance of power shakes out, but I can guarantee you whoever they hire as the new GM is not going to come in with some ideas that Brable is completely against because that is going to be a part of the vetting process uh, is going to be, Hey, are you guys on the same page as far as like the big ideas that we need to build around? Um, because you don't want to bring in a GM who, you know, say Brable hates Tannehill and is ready to move on. And the new GM loves Tannehill and this is going to be a huge fight. And you know, like you just wouldn't, you wouldn't do that from a hiring process standpoint. Um, so it is going to be someone that's in alignment with what Amy Adam Strong and Mike Vrabel view as the vision for this team moving forward. But also, um, how many GMs are going to say, "Well, I'd right. rather have Ryan Tannehill than Tom Brady." Well, you know, in this, right. in, but you know, I know that's you know very general way of putting it. But at, at and, this point, the one guy who did say that is on the street. It's valid too, because I mean, <laughs> uh, Tannehill, I I think we all respect him. Uh, for what he is and think he's a pretty good quarterback, but he also is very limited. Like he's not the guy, like he, nobody's going to walk in and be like, Oh, I'm taking this job because I have Ryan Tannehill as my quarterback. It, they're, they're going to want to put their own quarterback in place. They they want to find, you know, the Kingmakers of the NFL, the, the Patrick Mahomes is the Josh Allen. And the, the guy Joe that Burrow, gets you the so. most chances of being able to do that is trading Ryan Tannehill like that gives you the most options and most chances to try and either trade up in this draft trade up in next year's draft to get the guy that is the that is the next franchise guy right which I mean it's it'll be very interesting because yeah I will say that if if Tannehill's not on the roster next year I mean it, it becomes very clear that either they are trading up for a quarterback or going to take a quarterback with whatever pick they end up with in the 2023 draft or that they are just going ahead and rolling it out there and saying, Hey, we're going to be bad next year. And we're going to hope Caleb Williams or Drake may is a Titan in 2024. Um, Cause yeah, that those are really, I just don't see 
I guess barring Brady, I just don't see why, like, you're not going to go get car. Like car is the same as Tannehill. Like if you want to, you can't afford to get, I don't know if any, how anybody affords a quarterback like Lamar either without, because you're talking about a, a quarterback that has been injured twice. Now had a season ended twice because of injury. Yeah. And, you're probably going to have to give him a fully guaranteed contract. And let me tell you something for those that are not looking at these fully guaranteed contracts. Cause I really wasn't because it really didn't pertain to what the Tennessee Titans were having to go through, but because I'm going to have to be writing some articles this year and do some research because possible quarterback movement. If you got a quarterback like Lamar Jackson on a fully guaranteed contract, you're talking about in year one, which is typically your lowest year cap hit, like a $39 million cap hit. And here's the thing. It's because you're having to give him a brand new contract. You're not extending him. And second, it's because it's fully guaranteed. You're going to have to go six or seven years. And is Lamar Jackson, a guy now that has been in, has had his season ended worth six or seven years, maybe even longer, a fully guaranteed money that cost anywhere from 39 million dollar cap hit all the way up to a 52 53 million dollar cap hit every year. It's never going to be below at a certain point than 45 million dollar cap hit on a fully guaranteed contract. And I would love to see Lamar Jackson in in a as a Tennessee type. But that is an outrageous number. It is so important to find it's so important right now to have a rookie quarterback that can get you places and that you can build around and make them worth the money instead of trying to get someone else's technically leftovers for lack of a better term. Yeah. And and I'll also say that with the Lamar thing, I know people get their hopes up about it. The closer it gets to free agency and he's not signed to an extension or whatever, but they can tag him and they almost certainly will. Um, So that's going to be a disaster, by the way, whatever's that whole situation is going to be a disaster. It seems like it's headed towards uh, bad things for the Ravens. Um, But I mean, at the very least, they're going to tag him and then force him force some sort of trade. They aren't going to let him walk away for free. Like if you think you're just going to sign Lamar Jackson in free agency, I just I think that's unrealistic um, expectations to have. So it's yeah, if you're going to get one of these guys, you're going to have to either trade major, major things for him, which we've seen how that's worked out for, for some teams here recently. Or go draft your own, and going and drafting your own is the way to go if you if you can find the guy. Which we all know, as, as uh, people who followed the Titans for a long time, that is way harder uh, to do than it is uh, to say. So it's um, yeah, well, it's 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 hard, but you get you give yourself the best chance if you go and draft a guy. Yeah. So the flip side is this: is that they have tried drafting a guy, Mike, and that would guy would be Malik Willis. And what I've come to find out, and I wrote about this for broadwaysportsmedia.com, the Josh Dobbs game, while it was not perfect by any stretch of the means, and he's not the second coming of Peyton Manning or anything like that, but watching that game, it was eye-opening for me as a guy who was holding out hope for Malik Willis. Because, Mike, it ain't going to (laughs) happen. Like... Like, it's just not going to happen. And here's the thing about the whole thing about the league Willis. Now, first off, obviously, Josh Dobbs has been in the league for six years. But he's coming into a new team on eight years uh, or eight days. And a couple of those days, he was they were, they're not even practicing, right? I mean, they're not even walking through. They're doing, you know, film study and stuff. So he's talk, you're talking about two or three days of actual walkthrough practice. 
Think about that. Versus, yes, I know he's a rookie. Yes, I know he's raw. But you're talking about a guy that has been doing this all the way back since May, pretty yeah. much. I mean, for a long time, he's been in the system, been doing this stuff, and showing very, very little improvement with every outing. Yeah, showing improvement, but very little. And then this guy goes and gets 100 yards in the first half, 232 yards in the entire thing, and he throws an actual touchdown pass, you know, and and he the offense looked competent. Like that that is the best way to put it. It was functional. It was it was able to keep it close for a while. It still wasn't there. Obviously, you don't have Derrick Henry, but it still wasn't there. But you're for a guy for an an offense being led by a quarterback who had probably like three walkthroughs, it looked pretty good. Yeah. Now, now I I go, I tell this, I gotta tell this to fans. When the Titans drafted Malik Willis in the third round. Look at it as they were went and bought a $3 lottery ticket at a gas station. They waited for the numbers to be called, and now they've lost their money. You know what they've lost, though? $3. Now, on the flip side, what fans are wanting, Mike, is for this team to fucking play a game of Monopoly and spend five hours, 10 hours, playing one fucking game of Malik Willis Monopoly. And at the end, only one person wins. And guess what? It's probably not you, and it's definitely not Malik, and they've wasted all this time playing this game for a third-round pick. This isn't a first-round pick. It's a third-round pick. It was a lottery pick. It was a dart throw, whatever analogy you want to use, and it didn't work out, and it's not going to work out. So I think these words by Peter King, these observations, and what you've literally seen I, I think it's just over for Malik here, and I hate it for him, but he'll be a fucking great youth pastor. I mean, he's going to be <laughs> phenomenal guidance counselor. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm kind of on in the same place at this point because, I mean, look. I'm, I held I'm, out as long as I could. Yeah, and I, I've been willing to hold out hope. I mean, I, I thought coming out of that Texans game, I was pretty down on Malik, and I was just like, uh, you know, this did not look good. Because the the problem is it's like the same. It's like Groundhog's Day. It's the same issue popping up over and over and over again. And, you know, them making the move to go to Dobbs is super telling about how they view uh, Malik Willis. Because if if it was even close, you would not do this. Like, you would would just stick with the young guy and hope that, you know, you get a little development out of him. This was them saying – we know we're screwed if we have to play this guy against Jacksonville. Um, we're they want to win. Different. This is why they'll never tank, by the way, which well, is whether true. the good, if, whether that's a good thing for you or a bad thing for you. This is the perfect example of them always going to try and win every fucking game. Yeah. And like, like Dobbs had been on the roster for eight days before he took his first snap as a starter um, in that game. And not only that, but, they made that decision by uh, you know what Dobbs said the night after the Texans game. Chris, yeah, yeah, uh, that's Christmas that's, Eve. That's not talked about enough, by the way. Sam Phelan is the one who put out the tweet that I tweeted, uh, retweeted of A to Z Sports, and I was like, "Whoa, that is that is wild." First off, they were able to keep it under wraps almost all the way until Justin Mello broke the news, but it was insane, insane that they gave 
that that tells you everything about Malik Willis. And that comes on the heels of the 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. comment. Just run it out of there. Yeah, and I yeah, I, I still that still lingers in my head of like maybe he's one of the eight to four guys, but um either way, I mean like look, they had seen Josh Dobbs for four days. <laughs> like four days from the time they signed him to the time they decided he was gonna start against the Cowboys. And that's all it took for them to be like, Oh yeah, we're gonna give this guy a shot. Um so and it's not like he had some extensive starting experience. That was his first NFL start. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's crazy, but it tells you exactly what they think of Malik. And and to me, it tells you there's 0.0 chance that they go into 2023 with Malik Willis as the starting quarterback. No chance at all. Hey, listen, they uh, shouldn't go with him as the quarterback, de facto quarterback too, either. Oh, I don't think so either. I, I think there's I, a I don't think chance. they will, but they shouldn't and they shouldn't. I think there's a real chance he'll get cut uh, before yeah. the end of training camp um, next year, which is fine because it's Team a non-guaranteed in his future team chaplain in his future. It's a non-guaranteed contract. So they, you know, there's not any dead cap left behind or anything like that. So it's totally fine for them to do that. Uh, or there's minimal dead cap left behind. They would save money. Um, so I, I think, I think there's a real chance that we see that happen. Um, and like you said, it's a third round pick. Like it's not the end of the world that that they're whiffing on this. And it's certainly not worth them chasing this, you know, ghost of of potential uh and running the franchise into the ground around it. Because look, that's what the old Titans would have done. They would have run the franchise into the ground trying to make Malik Willis stick rather than, you know, saying, Hey, I don't think this kid's got it. We're gonna move on to the next thing, or at least bring in competition. Look. Say say they go and draft, you know, I, who who knows? Say they trade trade up for CJ Stroud. If CJ Stroud comes in, and you know Malik Willis say he just takes a monumental leap, and I I don't think any of this is going to happen, but let's just say he does. Then sure, give the job to Malik Willis. Like let it let him turn out and trade Stroud, whatever. But like you cannot keep you cannot go into twenty twenty three relying on him to be anything. Not a starter, certainly not a backup. Just don't don't write him in pin on anything for the Titans moving forward to me. Don't think that Malik Willis is going to be Russell Wilson because you know what the difference between Russell Wilson is when he got the job for Seattle? He fucking won it. And he and won he, it over a $40 million quarterback that they were paying in Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn was getting paid a ridiculously uh, high amount of money. And they and had he, just signed him. Yeah, and they just signed him that offseason and Russell Wilson came in and took the job. Malik Willis does not have the fight in him to do that. And I don't even know if he has the fight in him to want to get the quarterback two job. I think he's just happy to be here, happy to be around the sport. And that's pretty much what he said. And we talked about that last week. And I think that everything that Peter King and um, Mike Florio had talked about at the top of their show and in that uh, segment about Ryan Tannehill and how they feel and how it looks about Malik Willis, they're absolutely right. This staff, the next GM, what GM? And they're like, well, you don't know what the GM's going to think about Malik Willis. Well, if the, if the GM thinks that Malik Willis is good, then we got pretty big <laughs> fucking issues with our general manager. Let's be honest. There is no GM. First off, there's no GM candidate that's currently employed in the NFL that thought Malik Willis was worth a first-round pick, that thought Malik Willis was a second-round pick. So their staff saw that, hey, my GM was right about that, or maybe I was right about that. So whoever staff they pull from 
all saw the same thing. Malik Willis is not a first-round pick. And Malik Willis, and then they went and saw him play and said, oh, that is why Malik Willis is not a first-round pick. This is why Malik Willis is not a starter. This is why Malik Willis can't beat out Ryan Tano. This idea that it's all about comes down to, well, he needs more reps. He's going to have to earn fucking more reps. I'm sorry. Yeah. But this idea that you we sh- you should just gift a third round pick reps. This isn't a first round pick. This isn't Josh Allen. This isn't any scenario that you've ever seen. Look at what they did with Sam Darnold. Look at what they did with Baker Mayfield. Teams moved on from first round picks. This team should be allowed to move on for a third round pick after the first year. Absolutely. And and like it's like you said, Willis is kind of in a very, like, how I actually, part of what I'm writing for uh, com this week, of all the quarterbacks in the last 30 years to start their careers in the NFL, there have been 39 who have, in their first three starts, had under 51% uh, or under 53% completion rate, under five yards per attempt. And that's not volume stats. That's not just, well, the Titans never throw the ball, blah, blah, blah. It is efficiency stats. So this is what you make out of the attempts that you get. Only 39 quarterbacks were ever that bad in their first three starts. Out of that 39, only four went on to have at least 40 NFL career starts. So basically three seasons worth of starts, a little less than three seasons. You want to hear those four names? Uh, Kyle Orton. Who's probably the best of the the group, Oof. honestly? Oh God, um, Kyle Bowler, David Carr, and Vince Young. And Vince Young, you know, hey, maybe Vince Young is is uh, is the upside. But look, we know what Vince Young was at the NFL level, and it was not good enough. Um, so <laughs> I, I mean, look, and that's and that's the best case scenario. I think is is hey, maybe he's Vince Young. It's just not aspirational, you know? So let me let me say something, because I uh, recently someone's like, well, because we, I talked about Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott being outliers, and they go, well, those teams threw the ball their rookie year. They didn't, hold, they didn't run the ball, you know, 30 times a game. Well, genius. The uh, Russell Wilson-led Seahawks were number one in rush attempts yeah. and number 32 in pass attempts. Well, genius, Dak Prescott was number one in rush attempts and 31, I think, in pass attempts or 30. So, yeah, they they did run the ball because that's what you do with a rookie quarterback. Yeah. You, the difference is that the passes that they threw were on time, on target, and they looked comfortable doing it. Yeah, and they were able to operate the offense on time. That that To me, that is still Willis's main issue is he just does not operate on time, and his time is time to throw uh, metric is horrendous. It is horrendous. And Josh Dobbs, having learned the offense for eight days, was more decisive and quicker to get the ball out. And it was so visibly apparent from the first drive. Yes, from immediately. You could tell he is clicking through and and getting rid of the football. Like, he was doing that well. And look, spare me all your, well, they ran bootlegs. (laughs) Bootlegs for him. Look, fuck bootlegs. Bootlegs are not some magic play that's like, oh, well, they let him run the good plays because all the good plays are the bootleg. That is not what that is. They ran plays that Dobbs is comfortable with running and that they are comfortable with Dobbs running. They also did the same thing for Willis, and it looked like to me they were more comfortable with Dobbs running more of the offense 
than they were with Willis, despite him having, you know, nine months extra on the job uh, learning the, the offense. So to me, again, that tells you pretty much everything you need to know about where he's at right now developmentally. And it's so, so far away from anything you want to have on an NFL football field. It, it's just like the whole Marcus situation. Like people can't grasp the fact that this is the same exact offense. It's just they're using more diverse plays from the same playbook because the quarterback that is behind center can actually fucking run them. And, and also, guess what? When you've got a quarterback, like you could call the exact same play, and when you've got a quarterback who actually executes that play on time, it looks a lot better and a lot different than you have a quarterback that's not executing on time and that's getting stuck on reads or that's just sitting back there holding the ball, looking at the pass rush and running around. It looks a lot different because the execution is a lot different, not because the play, you could run the exact same play and it looked totally different by two different quarterbacks running it and executing it at different levels. So spare me all this nonsense about like this magic playbook. That <laughs> well, they that, that's what's funny, right? Because I mean, everybody, I mean, I think I would say 99% of the fan base, right? Yeah. Is so far out on Todd Downing, right? They think he's a moron. He's an idiot. But let me tell you something, Mike, according to fans, <laughs> in eight days, he was able to design and install a, an entirely new playbook. For Josh Dobbs <laughs> and Josh Dobbs was able to learn it in eight days because it was just this magic playbook. So uh, all of a sudden, Todd Downing, super magical genius, but just for Josh Dobbs, selective yeah. racism apparently is what the is the best term to use to describe that because they're only racist against Malik Willis. Yeah, it's it, well, it's it's the crazy thing that like I don't know it, it's one of those Occam's Razor things that. What is the most logical explanation between these two options? One, the Malik Willis just isn't very good at executing an NFL playbook and they don't trust him to run their offense. So they give him whatever he can run and, and hope that, you know, that's good enough. And it's, he's still not good or, at it. Or two, <laughs> that they're, they are for some reason trying to self-sabotage their own third round pick in the hopes of ruining his NFL career because he's the nicest guy in the world and they don't like him for some reason. Uh, so they've decided that they're going to call this guy up off of the Lions practice squad and give him a brand new magical, like, like Todd Downing morphed into Bill Walsh overnight uh, and give him this great playbook that he can run. And so he looks better to embarrass Malik Willis. Like which one of those things is more logical and, and sensical to, to believe here? I mean, some of these things, like sometimes you guys just got to pump the brakes and think about like, what am I really saying here when I say it's out Some, loud? Hey, sometimes a bad quarterback is a bad quarterback. Like, you know, the Robert Soleil uh, this week said, we haven't given up on Zach Wilson. He'll be here next year. No, no, they've given up on and, Zach Wilson. And, but listen, but Titans fans are like, oh, those idiots. I can't believe they're going to stick with the Zach Wilson. He sucks. Malik Willis is Zach Wilson. <laughs> like they're the same person. Except they, for they Malik really Willis are. can't get a can't get a hundred yards. I mean, but yeah. like they are the same talent level, and they're like, oh, those idiots! I can't believe they would ever stick with Zach Wilson. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at the Titans fans, and I'm going, you idiots! I can't believe you're sticking with Malik Willis. And it's like the Jets when they they put in Chris Streveler, who I yeah. literally had never heard of before the moment he went in that game. And all of a sudden, the offense is moving down the field. And I'm like, wow, look at that. Maybe <laughs> Zach Wilson just sucks. I will say and, this, but Mike White uh, turned it to a pumpkin like I predicted. When you have 5.8 yards per attempt on your debut that everybody's raving about, it's only going to come crashing down. 
I'll tell you what, it's hilarious to me because Jets fans, I, I suggested, uh, you know, the Tannehill to the Jets thing several weeks ago. And uh, one of the guys I've done some Jets shows with before shared it on, on his timeline. So I got a lot of Jets fans jumping in the mentions and they were all talking about, why would we, why would we want Tannehill when we've got Mike White? And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Y'all are fucking crazy. So hey, it's not just Titans fans. I was say, it's not fans. just Titans fans. There you go. It's not just Titans fans. Other like fan bases claim to shitty like, fucking oh, quarterback. It's um, so bad. It's so bad. Okay. Mike, the, <laughs> I mean, I can't believe people didn't learn from the Marcus thing. Oh, I just can't crazy. believe it. Okay. Um, all right. Titans play <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. And it's a playoff game. And I wrote about a choose your own adventure. And I wrote about the pros and cons of winning the game and the pros and cons of losing the game. Now, we've kind of come back and forth, back and forth about what we think. Now, I'm pretty steady that I think the Titans should, I'm not saying try to lose, but I am, I'm rooting for a Titans loss, not necessarily a Jaguars win, if that makes sense. Um, where do you stand on that? Because I'll say this. I'm a very logical person to the detriment of uh, the people around me, right? Uh, I, I don't show a lot of emotion. Um, I, my logical side of me says, take them, uh, go down, just lose, get the season over with. Let's get the, I think the best that they get right now is the ninth overall pick. Let's get the ninth overall pick. Let's get the ninth best best player available in every fucking round that we can. All right, let's build the roster. Let's add, because me personally, I don't think we're that far off from getting back to maybe like 12 and five status, you know, and all that. I don't, I don't think the Jaguars are like surging up the board and the Titans are going to plummet. However, the emotional side of me, the, the the little spark that I have, I only have a little spark for those that are watching. I only have a little spark, a little glimmer of hope. It's like the, the Grinch. Yeah. I want to see the Jaguars lose because oh, there's nothing more than I want to see the Jaguars on the outside looking in and then uh, the Titans to lose the wild card round and the Jaguars to go, that should have been us all season long. Because then I could just say, well, you should have fucking beat Josh Dobbs, you losers. Yeah. And, and I want, because I want the Jaguars to go back and because I, I personally believe that the Jaguars are a mirage, this this team that they have been these last six or seven weeks. So where do you stand uh, on what's going to happen with this game as far as what do you want to happen? It There's zero doubt in my mind that it is better for the long term prospects of this franchise for them to lose uh, the game, because like we're talking about almost 10 picks worth of position which if you start to look at like trade value charts it's worth a lot um it's worth a lot especially that difference between what and, we, we'd say like what maybe and, and what 10. if what if they win like what if they win the wild card round after yeah. winning this playoff game then you're back in 25 26 range which is not good it's just not good and listen it, it's possible that they could beat the Ravens. Like it definitely is possible. It looks like that's or who they, they could beat play. the chargers. Technically it, it, would the chargers be in there? Or are they still in the running Did, for the yeah, five the, seed? Well, the chargers are the current five seed right now. Uh, because, yeah, yeah. Well, because yeah. the Ravens lost. They could, they could theoretically beat the chargers. I mean, they were one, one play the, away from beating the chargers. Yeah, the chargers LA. own the tiebreaker over the Ravens. So uh, okay. if yeah. they end with the same record, so it's a big thing. If you want the Ravens, if you want to play the Ravens, you have to root for the Ravens to beat Cincinnati and the and the Chargers to lose to Denver. 
which okay. neither yeah, of those things seem very likely. <laughs> no, yeah, so it's probably the Chargers. But either way, they, they could beat the Chargers. Um, so I I definitely think it's the it's better for the franchise long term to lose this game. And and as you know, as painful as it would be to go out on a seven game losing streak and blow up what should have been a you know insurmountable division lead uh to the Jaguars, it it's better that they get the draft assets and the new GM is a cupboard stocked with with premium picks uh to go get guys that he wants or trade back and stockpile for the 2024 draft if that's what you prefer to do. But either way, it is better. However, I will find it impossible. I know myself, and I will find it impossible when the game comes on and the uniforms are on the screen. I will find it impossible not to root for the Titans to win that game. And look, I would enjoy a home playoff game. I would. I would enjoy, like, even if they get pasted by the Chargers, I still would like to see them in the playoffs. Um, I would love to mock the Jaguars all offseason about Josh Dobbs beating Trevor Lawrence at home. I would love that. That would be wonderful i'm i'm extremely petty uh with a lot of my fandom uh and and there's a lot of hater in me uh so watching the jaguars have to suffer a loss at the hands of josh dobbs at home to to crush their big momentum wave would just be too funny to pass up so i will be rooting for the titans to win the game however if they do lose and i think they will it's not gonna be i'm not gonna be upset you know so you think they will because i i think they're gonna win Really? I, I do. I think Josh Dobbs plays well enough. And it's not about Josh Dobbs. It's all about Josh Dobbs just not being Malik Willis at the, this point. Danico Autry's back. I'm, I think David Long is still going to come back, but I, I have a little th- conspiracy theory I want to float your way. But okay. um, Danico Autry's back, fully healthy Jeffrey Simmons, fully healthy Derrick Henry. Amani Hooker's going to be playing. Christian Fulton's going to be playing. A lot, of, a lot of pieces. And Mike Vrabel wants to win. And Mike Vrabel has extra rest, and the Jaguars were idiots and played all their starters into the third or fourth quarter. And I kind of think the Titans are just gonna Jags are gonna jag, and the Titans are just gonna win. And it's gonna be uh, hilarious, but also devastating at the same time. Obviously, because of the things that we laid out. Right. So I think, and I've been of this mindset since, um, since essentially after watching Dobbs play that Dobbs is good enough and the defense is getting healthy, that this team is going to beat the Jaguars. God help us all. I definitely think it's possible. It's in play for sure. Because I mean, look, the reason the Titans lost that game to the Jaguars was because they turned the ball over four times and they got zero turnovers. It wasn't that the Jaguars just massively outclassed them on the field. And look, the, the Titans are worse now than they were, um, you know, what, five weeks ago, four weeks ago, whenever they played, at least on offense. I mean, Dobbs, obviously, big downgrade from Tannehill. Uh, the offensive line has downgraded at three, at least two spots, uh, if not three. Um, so it's a worse, it's a worse group. But look, Derrick Henry has owned the Jaguars consistently throughout his career. He could have another big game, even behind this offensive line. I mean, look, he ran the ball really well behind this terrible group against Texans. Um, you know, the, the Titans didn't really run the ball very effectively against Dallas, but that's without Henry. Like, that that was, you know, Hassan Haskins, who is like the most plain running back uh, in the history of the NFL um, in there, instead of an all-pro uh, caliber player like Henry. So God dang. Um, yeah, he's just like a like, plain motherfucker, this vanilla ice cream bitch. 
he's just just like unseasoned chicken man it is nothing um but it is uh it's certainly in the defense i think will be more more healthy than certainly they were when the last time they played jacksonville and probably since maybe since like before the packers game like this whole losing streak i don't think i mean they haven't had autry uh fulton certainly at the same time but yeah they they looks like they're projected to have everybody on defense with the possible exception of david long um, and I'm not counting Zach Cunningham at this point. Cause he's not a real person. Yeah. Uh, I've written him off uh, yeah. of, of any of my, <laughs> I wish my, they could cut him now. <laughs> my brain real estate. Yeah. He's, he's completely out of, out of the picture. Um, but David long to me is, is key too, because David long is such an important player to them, but we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm interested to hear your conspiracy theory. Okay. That. Okay. Here's what's going to happen. Tennessee Titans are going to win this fucking game. Because they hate us, they hate they hate the joy that we all will have uh, in drafting a high draft pick. Okay, they're gonna beat the Baltimore Ravens. So Ryan Tannehill went on IR. That's four games, three games right there that he's missed. Mm -hmm. They're gonna somehow pull off an upset, and Ryan Tannehill is gonna come back for the AFC Championship game. (laughs) Come off IR for the AFC Championship game. And throw three interceptions and lose the game for everybody. <laughs> oh Lord! I, now I thought, I thought that nobody besides David Long was being considered, though, quote unquote, by Vrabel. Well, I mean, that depends on how much you want to believe in Vrabel, but it didn't sound like David Long's coming back this week. He keeps putting it off, and if he doesn't come back, I'm just saying, why bring David Long back if you could just keep on winning games without him? There's no then, what. I I love I love the conspiracy. But there's, there's also Ben zero, Jones that could come back too by the zero point zero chance that this team is going on the road and beating either the Chiefs, Bills, or Bengals uh, in the playoffs with Josh Dobbs at quarterback. Like it's just not happening. Hey, people said that the Bengals couldn't make it to the Super Bowl with that offensive line and look at them. Uh, you know, just saying, true. just saying. Uh, Nick Foles, uh, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl, Mike. <laughs> Trent Dilfer's won a Super Bowl. Why can't Josh Dobbs? Oh my God. You, then, you've gone way too Super Bowl. He just has to get to the AFC championship game. You've gone way too deep in the Josh Dobbs sauce. Listen, <laughs> listen. This team almost listen, if they play the the Chiefs in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Why not Dobbs? <laughs> If Josh Dobbs beats Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead, like they're wouldn't gonna... that make it all kind of worth it? Then okay, well uh, the draft pick's gonna be really shitty. It's gonna be like twenty eight or twenty nine, but you get to tell Chiefs fans you fucking lost to Josh Dobbs and you have Patrick Mahomes. Listen, I, that's the way I feel about this Jaguars game. Honestly, I, I feel like Josh Dobbs beating Trevor Lawrence and and dethroning the Jaguars from their little uh, but the best know, hot yeah. streak. The best part of the conspiracy theory, though, is that Ryan Tannehill comes back in and then he immediately throws three interceptions and the <laughs> Titans lose the AFC Championship game. That would be devastating for volunteer fans, for the universe, Titans fans and all this stuff. Uh, like they, they would just, like, blow a gasket. Uh, that would be terrible. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I want to live in that universe. But wouldn't that be crazy if they it were able be. to bring Ryan Tannehill back off IR because they never were able to use the, the David Long one? Yeah, he's just perpetually injured hamstrings. Yeah. He's just Julio Jones at this point. All right, so you think Titans are losing? I do. How how bad do they lose? Like, are you talking like a couple touchdowns, maybe a field goal? Where are you talking? 
I, I think it'll be close. I, I think they're definitely going to keep it competitive. And I could see this being like a 21 to 17 kind of game. The, the Jaguars end up winning. Okay, here we go. Titans win 24 to 17. Titans oh, win. All right. All right. I would love it. I, would I, love think, it. I think Josh Dobbs, Derrick Henry, they're going to limit the turnovers. I think Derrick Henry is going to be playing well-rested, a little pissed off. I think the defense looks good. I think the Titans are going to win this game, and I am a and I'm not technically rooting for it, but I will laugh when it happens. So a little bit of laugh crying, maybe because I'll, I'll remember always it was. I'll we'll always have those couple weeks where they were in like the top eleven draft picks. We'll always have those times. Paris Johnson Jr. just teed up, uh, and he's gone, gone forever, gone forever is Paris Johnson. <laughs> Well, that'll do it for us. This has been Football Under the Efforts. Thank you for all the Broadway, Broadway insiders joining us. I think this could be a regular thing. Uh, it may not be the same time, so you just have to kind of look at our Twitter feeds and turn those notifications on for Broadway uh, Twitter feed and our Twitter feeds as well. Um, Mike is going to be writing an article about Josh Dobbs on podcarsky.com. By the time you're listening to this, you'll be able to read it and you'll enjoy it. And take your medicine, you Malik stands, because I'm having to take my medicine saying that because I was a Malik stand. And I held that hope as long as I could. You're reformed now. I am reformed. And you know where I will drink and toast to the memory of Malik Willis? Jasper's in Nashville. Head down Jasper's Nashville. Their food is phenomenal. The beer is cold. They have TVs ev- everywhere. They're the next evolution of sports bar. Wish I could have been there when UT was dominating Clemson. And seeing what the uh, watch party was like, the the somber mood at the watch party at Jasper's. But head to Jasper's, get your food, get your beer, head on over there. For Mike Kearney, you can follow him on Twitter at Mike Kearney NFL. I'm Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at EffortsPod. This has been Football and Other Efforts, and you have just been effed. <laughs>